start with your thing. I will. I'm waiting for quiet. Add music. Add music. No, right? Welcome to episode 22 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a pint or other fine beverage. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our official sponsor, Craft Beer Cellar. Craft Beer Cellar is a family of retail craft beer stores focused on amazing beer, hospitality, and education with 25 locations in 11 states across the country. Visit craftbeercellar.com for a location near you. And by listening to us, you can win free beer from Craft Beer Cellar. Free beer is good beer. Just join our conversation on Facebook or Twitter. On Twitter, follow at Theology and use the hashtag PTLive. And if you're on Facebook, just comment on Facebook.com slash PubTheology um, at any time you are listening to this. And at the end of the month, we'll, we'll pick some of the choicest, wittiest comments and send you a gift card to Craft Beer Cellar. Also, if you want to, you can watch us live Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern Time at pubtheology.com. And as always, download us on your favorite podcast catcher, whether it be SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. We're out there. Except tonight. We're at, we're at 10 tonight. We are at 10 tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. We are, we are at a much later time usual tonight but uh, I think everybody might be in bed right now but it's alright we, we realize most of our listeners listen to the audio after the fact but still tune into the video because you miss our priceless facial expressions um, you miss you miss Brian and I don't know what's got going on with the hat tonight um, I, I, I have an I, I have a very colorful shirt on um, with lots it's of dots gray. on it are you colorblind? No, it's not gray. That's just the thing. It's kind of a bluish thing with like these little floral dots, but you can't really see it okay. from the thing. It's not. It's not gray. It's got a bluish thing to it. Um, and yeah. I, so I would add that if you want to up your chances of winning free beer, give us a five-star review on iTunes, and that will. I'm just saying. You know. We like could, sucking up. That's could, what he's saying. Could up the ante for that free beer. So. Check us out on iTunes, and please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And tonight, uh, we are discussing the quandaries of time. One Buddhist teacher observes that time's transformative energy seems innately aligned against us. Whoa. From a Buddhist. I know. That seems so negative. But I think the key, well, we'll get to it later. So we're going to ask, how do, you, how do you enjoy spending time? Is it possible to waste time? What would you do if you had more time? And if there is time, we'll also discuss revenge. When is it permissible or morally okay to seek revenge? Is suing someone a former a form of revenge? And uh, have you ever been involved in a lawsuit? And most importantly, who would Jesus sue? So, pressing questions uh, that we are going to dive into tonight. He would, he would probably sue us for defamation of character in this podcast. This. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, listen. Exactly. You're just saying. Well, my name is uh, Brian Burkoff. I'm a pastor and the author of the book Pub Theology. And tonight I am drinking an IPA, IPA uh, from Latitude 42 right here in uh, Portage, Michigan. And with us we also have Tina Simmons and Ogan Holder. Welcome, Tina. Hello. Um, so tonight I'm back to the wine. Um, I have a 2012 Merlot from Mary Hill Winery, which is local to Washington State where I live. I'm hoping to go visit there very soon. I hear it's really cool and they have a castle nearby. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm drinking. What about you, Ogan? Um, I'm going healthy. I'm drinking organic beer tonight. Sweet. It is a from Peak Organic, the High Note, a white ale brewed with lemongrass. And since everyone is saying where their beer is from, apparently uh, Peak Organic is based in Portland, Portland, Maine. M.E.'s Maine, right? Yeah. I should know. I'm a, I'm a New Englander now. Well, at least, it, at least it's close to you. It's in New England. It, it's close to me. It is in New England. And um, if this is perchance your first time listening, I am a Unity Minister. I am in uh, Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts. And... I'm also the author of a book called Rants to Revelations. So look that up on Amazon and get my book sales going again. I got another royalty check just the other week. A whopping $1.42. <laughs> That's the one I oh. bought. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> you know, if we're pitching stuff here, I'm an online business manager, and I could use more clients if anyone's out there. <laughs> Pitch it. It's Brian's fault. He started the trend. There it is. Well, you know. Everybody sounds something. You know how it is. <laughs> I, figure my, I figure my book relates to uh, something He's got or other a, here. He, he does have a point there, Ogan. <laughs> listen, listen. We're talking spiritual and theological things. My book relates to. It does, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What you got, Tina? How are you related? Because how we are relate? online oh and she is my, online. My presence in your life is spiritual. Damn. Okay, then. <laughs> What, whatever helps you sleep at night. Let's, let's jump in, shall we? Yeah. All right. So our opening question asks, what is your favorite way to spend time? TV. TV. Love me some TV. Um, All right. Um, it, it's, you know, I'll say this. It depends on when you ask me. I go through different phases. Like some phases, um, I got to have a good, good fiction book open good uh, literary fiction uh, piece um, I am so I love I love reading too um, but right now I'm in a TV phase my daughter and I are working our way through a wonderful Netflix series called Marco Polo so we get a little uh, I'm sure over dramatized history but um, it's wonderful it's got everything you need in a good series we've got um, we've got romance, we've got misogyny, we've got uh, lots and lots of violence, especially in the form of cool kung fu. Um, it's a really, it's, you watch this and you are grateful for the fact that we live in 2016 and not, you know, way back then when things, when, when we as humans weren't just as involved as we are now. Okay, but when they write the movies about our era, do you think they're, yes. they're going to look at them and be like, oh my god, I'm so glad I didn't live back then? Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. they will. Yes, yes. By the way, give that uh, mic of yours a, a 
little tap or something. You got a little wonky on us uh, there for a moment. What's happening? No, it's still fuzzy. Still uh, you got fuzzy. Some, got some choppiness happening there. So what about you, Tina? What is your favorite way to spend time? You know what? It depends on whether I'm in a people mood or not. Um, mm. I, I, lo I love to hike. We were out kayaking today. I love that. I just love being outdoors. Um, one of my favorite things to do is sit on my back deck and read or, you know, just sit out there and, and chat with people. Um, I don't know. I, I guess that's... I'm an adventurer. I like going new places. You know, I, I love trying new things. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I like to travel, too. Lots of travel. When you have time in your TV schedule. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I take the point. TV with me. I watch it on the plane. Come on, this is 2016. TV is no longer bound by schedules and living rooms. Kept the program. Sorry, Joey. We were going to go back to Paris next summer, but I looked at the TV guide, and it's just not going to work. <laughs> what about you, Brian? What do you like to do? Uh, well, for me, uh, I love to read, so I mean, I can always fill some time by reading a good book, whether it's uh, you know, it's a uh, spiritual related um, or history. I love reading history. I love a good novel. Um, occasionally, something political. Uh, so I do love to read. Um, also, uh, one of my hobbies is disc golf. So I just came from a tournament tonight, even sporting the uh, nice. pro the Pro Tour uh, shirt here. So, um, big fan of uh, throwing some discs, trying to get under par, and uh, and of course I love uh, hanging out with my kids. They're they're a ton of fun, and we do some hiking and camping and hanging out, and that's always awesome. So. Our, uh, as, as our, our fun activity, I, I uh, make our board of trustees of the church. I make us do, in every year, at least two or three group fun activities that have nothing to do with church work, church business. We go hang out. The next one we're looking at doing is disc golf. Do it. Yeah. It's very accessible, and there's some great courses up in New England. Boom. Yes. I mean, we got one right here in uh, the town park in... Amesbury. Um, so, yeah, we're going to go do that. Yes. And in terms of TV on Netflix, I highly recommend the series uh, just came up called Stranger Things. I've heard good things. I am going to check it out. I've never heard of it. It's gotten great. I've heard it from a number of people that that's a must check out. So, we'll definitely do that. Now, um, um, you... so I'm here. I'm here. My mic is still kind of. Is that, yeah. is that, are you both hearing it that way? Is it just you, Gina? You hearing it that no, way too? Both of us. It's dropping it's, it's, out. What's happening? It's it's just really choppy. Uh, it doesn't sound like bad internet. It just it's just choppy. <clears throat> well, maybe just my voice because I'm a bit like. You were clear at the start, so I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know what happened. What happened? I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna stop it. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the train has left the station, man. It's a night of errors. <laughs> All right, so you know, so a follow-up on time is what is time, um, and has your view of time changed from when you were younger until now? Not that we're not all very young, because I just want to get that on the table. Good um, <laughs> save. But how, how, what is your sense of time, and and how yeah, how does that change from when you were, let's say? Um, 
a kid, maybe even in college or college age, till now? You know, my, my sense of time has definitely changed. I can't tell you what it was like when I was a kid. Um, I think it more revolved around, like, the summer and when my parents were coming home and we, we knew how to be back to the house. You know, it wasn't – but as, as I got older and got into the workforce and became a parent, time became, like, almost like a hassle. Like, everything was a rush. You know, everything was scheduled. Like, it, you just – it was almost like time controlled us. Um, uh. And – it, it's funny because I just read uh, the book uh, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, which is an awesome book and I highly recommend it. And he talks about going from Newtonian time to um, Einstein time where time doesn't control us, we control time. Um, so like the one example is like, you know, if, if, if you're sitting on a hot stove, a minute seems like an hour. But it, if you're with somebody you love, an hour seems like a minute. So that time we control. Is relative. Yeah, so we, we control time by doing the things we love. And I, I think when we do things because we think they're expected of us or because other people want us to and our heart's not really in it, that's when time really controls us. So my, my view, you know, in adulthood has definitely changed on time. I used to, I used to view time as a, as a linear thing, you know, moving along a line, you had in the past, we got the present, we got the future, and we proceed in along this timeline. Now I think of time as more of a spherical thing. So, like everything that ever has happened, is happening, will happen, it is is simultaneously happened at once. It's it's just all one thing, mm. and truly, all we have is this now moment. I think time is more of a concept uh, on the on the intellectual human level, time is a concept we use to organize thoughts and happenings and sort events so that we can make sense of them. Um, in actuality, I don't think that um, time exists as a, as a concept that we can like, you know, lay hold of, measure, interpret like other forces in the universe. But, you know, I'm a minister out of Astrophysicist, so I have no authority. Yeah, we might be a little out of our element here in terms of, uh, yeah, that's like one of the classic questions, right, of of, right. of humanity, of what is, what is time? I, I think the better question to ask, and Tina was alluding to it, it's not so much what is time, but what is our individual relationship with time? Yep. Do we see time as our enemy, as our friend? Do yes. we have a a scarcity consciousness with time, like there's never enough time. Do we have right. abundance consciousness and we got all the time in the world to do whatever we want? I think that is key. I think that's a key thing, Ogan. And I think as um, Tina was alluding to, I think when you're younger, or at least for me when I was younger, you don't think about time, right? It's just you're just doing stuff and you're right. just enjoying life and there's just a you're just in the moment and it's like you know, summer days could seem limitless, and there's going to be a bunch more summer days, and, you know, you don't even know what day of the week it is, but then as you age, you become more conscious of, well, it's Wednesday, and this weekend i got to do X, Y, and Z, and my summer, you know, my weekends are booked this summer through second week of August, so summer's going to fly, and man, it's almost, almost fall, and, you know, so you just have this, like, this rush, you can have a um, rush, uh, rushing mentality, um, or as you said, Ogan, an, an 
a scarcity mentality with time. Right. And I think one of the things I'm, one of the practices I'm trying to incorporate is being pre being present, aware of the present moment, and being present in the present moment. All the you know as much as possible. And when I do that, I feel like. I tap into a little bit what it was like to be younger and not really have a concept of time or worry about can I get everything done. It's like, no, just be here now. And I, I think you, you totally hit the nail on the head there. Um, and you're, you're more in the flow of life. And I think you experience a lot more synchronicity in life when you are present, you know, when you're, you're totally mentally there for the present moment, more good things come to you, you know, it's just, you handle things better, you're just kind of in the flow, you know, so it's, I think that's a huge concept that a lot of people are trying to teach, um, a lot of, you know, the Jack Canfields and the, the Gay Hendricks, um, they're, they're trying to teach that to, to stay in the moment and be present in the moment, and, you know, because all the, 95% of the stuff we worry about doesn't even happen, you know? Exactly, exactly, and, and half the time that we feel stressed, it's it's because we're either looking back and looking at what what has happened and either regretting it or wishing we could do it over or have it change, or we're looking ahead and we're worried about what's going to happen, you know, in five hours or in five days or in five years. And I think it's you nailed it, Tina, when you said if you're in that moment, Half those things you're worried about, A, aren't even going to happen, and B, you're more able to tune into um, making good decisions and being, you know, your best possible self in the moments that you have. But I also don't see it as a as a spiritual practice. Like I always yeah. tell people, there is no time in God. Mm. You know, God, you know, beginning and middle, everything rolled into one. There's there's no time in God. So. Uh, to, to have that same approach for ourselves, as in we're only in this now moment. There's really, you know, you know, uh, Eckhart Tolle really said it well in his Power of Now book. Um, you know, if all we have is, in, is this now moment, there's no before, there's no after. Time ceases to be a concept that really influence is, influences us. Uh, as as we move through our day, I think that's the hardest practice. I think of of this of this human journey, to stay in the now moment and not, you know, perseverate over the past or worry about the future. Excellent. Yeah, I'm reading that Eckhart Tolle. Uh, is it Tolle or Tolle? Tolle. Eckhart Tolle. With an e, you really you pronounce the e. Well, I do. I don't know. Every, yeah. every every pronunciation I've heard of it is Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. Very good. Whatever, however you say that last name, uh, and whenever you say it, whether it's uh, well, never mind. I was going to try to make a joke. Didn't work. But I am reading that uh, the power of now, and you know, it's just some really good stuff. You know, I don't. You know, sometimes he kind of goes off on these little tangents where I'm not quite sure I'm buying into all his metaphysical views of things, but he's there's just there is some power in now. So I'm I'm liking it. But when you come across one of the metaphysical tangents, you know, I really get it. Call me up. I'll explain. <laughs> exactly. I need my metaphysical, my metaphysical minute with Ogan, man. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Yeah, you're plug my stuff. Every Tuesday's metaphysical minute, man. I love it. 
Like not on my Facebook page or Instagram. So uh, explain, well, if you could stop time or make more time, would you do it if you had that ability? Um, no. Um, definitely not make more because even though sometimes we say there's not enough time to get what we want to get done, if we can put more time than 24 hours in a day, I don't trust us as human beings to use that time to our benefit. I think we will work more, especially here in the Western world of the United States. I think we'll work more and try to right. do more instead of do things that really serve us more, like relax more or play more or you know, do those kinds of things. I get more hours in the day. I'll, I'll probably watch more TV. I don't know that I'll... <laughs> use it productively? <laughs> use, it, use it productively. This is just where I am in life now, you know? Sometimes, you know, you ask me this and another time, I'll, I'll be reading more, I'll be writing more, I just go through these phases, and, and I don't read well, myself go through the phases. Well, stranger things have happened. Or, exactly, oh. exactly. Whoops. Scarcito, really good series. I know. And, uh, the fun part of it is is one of the one of the stars of the show is like it's a it's, uh, comes from Newburyport. He's a Newbury he's a Newburyport native. Nice. And, um, and his his sister goes to the same dance studio that my daughter goes to. So it's like weird to like see this kid. Well, he's not a kid. He's like, 20, early 20s, but we're like, yeah, we know him. Kind of kind of deal, but uh, but it's it's a real fun series that kind of addresses the time issue, because the whole, I won't do any spoilers, but the whole series is like, raises the question of other dimensions. Nice. Timelines. Yeah, like love it. Love it. So could you say a little more about what you, th uh, you said there is no time in God? I liked that line, and I'm wondering um, you know, many views of God sort of see God as outside of time. Mm -hmm. um, is that something we as finite beings can access or be in somehow relationship with? Uh, say a little bit more about that. With, with the no time in God concept? Yeah. So, so a, a practical example would be this idea of releasing our attachment to when things happen. So, for example, you know, we may we may pray whatever spectrum of denomination you are, or you see God, whether you're praying to God, or you're praying from God, or you're praying for an outcome, or you, you know, praying about a situation. Um, to release our attachment to the timeline of things happening. So I prayed for this, why didn't it change tomorrow? Mm, mm, why, right. You know, to realize that really prayer is about um, changing, for me, prayer is really changing how I show up to the situation. Prayer is about reminding myself about my divinity in this situation and that I can bear impact to it. And then I need to release any attachment to, the, to any timeline around the thing. And where we run into trouble, I was talking about this in one of my classes I was teaching tonight, was that when we don't get some instantaneous result or something within the timeline that we want, we say our, our prayers are ineffective or right. God's not listening or right. this doesn't work. But, you know, I don't 
you know, God, however you want to understand God, whether it's a personhood or simply a presence, isn't measuring things in time. I think I think God is measuring things in terms of relationship, in terms of process, in terms of you know, outcomes. God is not favoring one person or the other. God's not going to grant one person their prayer and another not. God doesn't play favorites. Which is why I like the concept of God as more of a presence as opposed to a personhood that's going to decide to grant one prayer or the other. Did I answer Still your question? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Tina, jump in. Well, I, um, I know you, you kind of went from one thing to another there. I did. How did talking I do that? about the timing of prayer and then, like, God doesn't pick favorites, answer one prayer and not another. But, I mean, how do you explain that? God's sitting there answering every single prayer? I mean, I, I get the whole God doesn't pick favorites things. No, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying sometimes that's what we think when we when we put a timeline to prayers. That's our perception. That's our perception. So we so we, we, we say a prayer or we hold a prayer intention in our hearts and we don't see something different happening tomorrow or the next week. And so maybe one of the things we say is that, oh, God didn't hear, hear my prayer or God's not answering my prayer. Okay, but, but it's very possible that that thing never happens. God, God doesn't answer oh, every single prayer. Oh, oh, I, so it's I, not necessarily I, I, a timing thing. I, I, well, I know. I'm just saying that that's maybe one of the options that some people go to because we have an attachment of time. No, I don't believe God answers prayers. I don't believe God is a person or an entity out there that's going to answer our prayers. What I believe about prayer, and you know, this is a unity approach, is that prayer is an effort, is an affirmative approach that reminds us of our own divinity within a situation. So if we're in a situation, you know, that we don't like, so let's say we lost a job, we got fired, we got laid off, and you know, we had, you know, the 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 older way of prayer, you know, or the the classic God, the classic way of prayer is like, dear God, I lost my job. Help me with a new job. Get me a new job, God. We pray to God for an outcome. You know, the more affirmative we're saying is because I am the divine presence of God as well, imbued with that same creative um, energy, the same creative presence that God is. I can I, I I I can make choices. I can hold that space and realize that. My how I approach life, my mood about life, my feelings about where I am, and not predicated on a job. My life, happiness, and survival is not dependent on a job. It's I can be happy, present, and fulfilled because I choose to be, not because of the job. And truly, I believe energetically when we get to that space and don't come from a space of lack and scarcity, it makes it easier for us to be led to the next right and perfect job. Now here's the time and thing. The time and thing is if, you know, say a few weeks or a few months go by and no job shows up, we're like, well, that maybe that prayer didn't work or God didn't ask my prayer. Quite possibly the perfect place and job for you isn't there yet. The opening isn't mm. there. Right. And you, you kinda gotta be patient. So you gotta So that's what you that. mean by there's no time in God? That's what I mean by there's no time in God. I thought you would go somewhere completely different with that. Surprise! Um, Where did you think I was going? I I thought you know you'd go more on a uh, matrix kind of thing where 
you know, it's not time's not linear, or you know. Well, there's that too. I mean, that's what I, that's one of the first things they said about time. I don't I don't think it's linear anymore. I think it's all just one moment. And this, in any given moment, anything that's ever happened is happening or will happen in is occurring. And you know why I, I totally agree with that is because when you when you think about the past. Um, everybody's perception is different like the three of us has, have been doing this show for how long and we can all three think about a past episode and and remember it completely differently so the past doesn't even exist except mm -hmm. in our perception except on iTunes <laughs> right. and, and in my memory I always sounded brilliant Woo! Oh, selective, See, that's what I mean. selective it's so perception is a beautiful thing it's so different yeah exactly <laughs> All right, so this Buddhist teacher, uh, Tartang, or Tarthang Tulku, says, our awareness of time's influence on our, on our lives may itself discourage us from positive action. Time's transformative energy seems innately aligned against us. What alternatives are open to us? So I think, I think he's got, he notes, I think, sort of a default way we might view it, because he says, our awareness, and then he says it seems aligned against us. I don't think he says it is, but but he's, I think, tapping into what our default perception is that, man, time is ticking, and because of that, I'm discouraged from doing something. Um, oh, and so let's say, for example, there was a, um, a Nike commercial during the Olympics recently which showed this 86-year-old nun who's doing, like, her 40th or 45th, Ironman triathlon, right? And I saw somebody posted that and said, there goes all my excuses for, you know, X, Y, or Z, right? right. I'm, too, I'm too old to go back to college, or I'm too old to start exercising, or I'm too old to think about a totally different way to approach my life or habits to incorporate. But yet when we have that, an open view of, yeah, there is time, and there's no time like right now, there's a lot more possibilities open to us. Yeah, we can really get we can really get stuck in that there's either not enough time or we are running out of time. So much to do, so little time. Like that's that's a saying that, that goes around. Um, and it, and I think it's a cultural thing. It depends on where you're from. When I was growing up in Barbados, very cultural. The, the saying that I heard was, "Yeah, if you don't get it done today, it's always tomorrow." Like, was, yeah, was, right. It's amazing sure. anything got done at all. That's why I love the people from the islands. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. <laughs> I mean, when I when I spent a year in uh, Turkey, and I remember before going, they said, be prepared to get a lot less done in a day than you are used to. And part of yeah. that was slower pace of life, more laid back, but of course part of it was also you don't speak the language, and it's just going to be harder to do things. Right. Um, but I thought it was great to have that mentality of just expect to get less things done, and if you carry that expectation, you'll be more satisfied with the things you do get done. You'll be more present during those things. But if it's always like, well, I, you know, our sort of Western, I'm going to say American approach to life is, well, I, if I didn't do 10 productive things today, then I've wasted this day. I don't know, Brian. I kind of felt the way you did in Turkey. I felt that way in the South, and it, it was annoying to me. <laughs> it was annoying. <laughs> Just saying. The South is hot. That's when it was annoying. Yeah. 
but that's that's I mean culturally that's that's I think for a lot of like you know the islands the south that's really what it is about I mean I seriously think because of the weather it's so he was part of it right yeah you yeah, gotta take things do slow <laughs> you get tired real you gotta take things slow unless you're Usain Bolt and you're from the islands and you're well, just you fast go. and you're just fast. Exactly. So one of, one of my favorite sayings, and this applies to, to what you just said, Brian, the concept of less is more. Less is more. Yes. Let's do less and be more attentive, more present, more fulfilled by the less things we do. It's, it's like, you know, if you talk to any of the employees at my church, it is like one of the organizing principles that I lead with. Less is more. Less is more. And I think it's so healthy to human human life to have that view. Tina, fire away. So Ogan, you're you're saying that you're gonna just you know focus and really pay attention to three TV shows instead of trying to fit fifteen in. Exactly. I'm gonna get my I'm gonna get my fifteen in three at a time. <laughs> oh, there it is. I so speaking of cultural, uh, there's. As you said, in the South, things are slower paced. I'd even even say where I live now, in a sort of small town in the Midwest, it is such a slower pace than when I was living in Washington, D.C., where it just felt like things were a mile a minute. And part of that was that I was, you know, working two and a half jobs and just trying to do a bunch of stuff. And I think I just got sucked into that sort of mindset of go, 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 do, 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 fill the agenda. And you, it just makes you stress out, you know. And I feel like now, you know, I'm living in this rural setting in this small town, and it just is easier to feel like there's there's time to do whatever needs to be done, and I don't need to stress about it. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. There's something about um, Washington, and I'm going to say Washington D.C. up the coast. I don't know how far up it goes, Ogan. You can speak for New England, but. You know, I definitely know the New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania. There oh, is no. no part of this country that is as stressed out, as yes. high paced, and it like being out in out west now in the Pacific Northwest. It is much more laid back here, and um, it's refreshing. I think. You can go ahead, Brian. I was say you can put your feet up and not feel guilty. You can appreciate the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Part part of part of the gift or part of the spiritual practice is to be able though to bring that attitude to wherever you're at. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time around that I lived in DC, I felt that way. I lived in I lived in the DC metro area uh, on two spells. The first time um, was before and right uh, at the beginning of my journey into unity and these spiritual teachings. And, and I felt that way about the rush and doing a lot of things. The second time I came back to D.C., I was already in minister and practicing these principles for a year. My whole outlook on life was different. And But I brought that attitude of still less is more and not being sucked into it. Even even when I was driving in traffic, like there are people you know, who live in the D.C. area who the last thing they want to do is get in traffic, especially at rush hour. But I actually enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed it because, yes, it's going to take me three times as long to get where I need to go. But rather than be frustrated by that, my attitude is, oh, great. I got more time to listen to my favorite podcasts, you know, that I would not have found if I was at home or at work. So it's about, again, right. that whole right. thing of time. 
what is our relationship with the time that we do have and the time that it takes to do things and how can we use them to our advantage. So it would take me, you know, I'd, I'd drive, I live in Gaithersburg, Maryland, um, which is about you know, the, the northwestern edge of the D.C. sprawl, and I would have yeah. to drive joy into D.C. to go to dance, uh, the Washington Ballet at the time. And, you know, on, when she had class on Saturday, I kid you not, it would take us maybe 25 minutes to get there. During the week, it would take us close to an hour, and we were going against rush hour traffic. Right. But it would still take us about an hour to get there. So for me, it was like, you know, go in the car, and she and I bonded over listening to podcasts. We used to listen to Snap Judgment. I don't know if you ever uh, listen to that podcast, but it's a storytelling podcast. Nice. Hip hop back, back, backdrop or context. You know, so we used to listen to that. We used to love doing that. It became something that we bonded over. Um, and then we'd get into DC and drop her to class. She'd be in class for like three hours or whatever. And I'm like, well, there's no point going back home to get a rush hour traffic. I'll go find some place to hang out. And more often than not, go to pub uh, theology. There was, I'd come to pub theology sometimes, yes. Or I'd go to, there was this bakery that had a beautiful little back, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, porch area in the back and, you know, when yeah. it's warm out, and go sit, read, enjoy the time. But, Perfect. yeah, we, we, we can feel even in the midst of the storm of people rushing around and feeling frantic, we, we can be the eye of the storm and, and yeah. calm. That's, that's the spiritual practice. I agree with that, and I think that's a lifeline for people uh, who are in the midst of those settings uh, is to be very aware and to be very intentional about their approach to time. So some some great examples there. All right, I'm going to shift our gears here and say... Um, hey, oh, before you shift that, um, what time did we start the show? And then why you take note, remember? <laughs> so it's like... Can hour in. I don't know when we started. We started, we started at 7 at, or at 10. We started at, yeah. Started, okay. We started a couple minutes after 10. but Not yeah. that I don't want to talk to you guys all night long, but I don't want to talk to you guys all night long. <laughs> we can. <laughs> Understood. All right, so shifting gears. Um, when is it permissible or moral to seek revenge, if ever? I say never. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it ever is. It's it, it's your perception versus somebody else's, and uh, as long as you take that stance that you're right, the other person takes that stance that they're right. You're you're never it. it that's what starts wars. You know, like mm. you do something to them, they do it back. Nobody ever wins with that stance. And again, I'm going to bring up Gay Hendricks. Um, 100% accountability. You take 100% accountability for your your part in something, and if you go in with that mentality, I don't think you can seek revenge because mm. revenge is a victim mentality. Yes, there is a certain mentality, right, where revenge uh, crops up easier or even feels like the, the thing you have to do or, you know what I mean, or the the righteous thing to do. Oh, right? yeah. yeah, because not to throw God under the bus, but God, you know, depending on where, where and when in the Bible you're reading, God was all about revenge. Um, oh, okay. That's a good point. If you're gonna throw, wow. We, we, these are the times when we wonder if God is listening, uh, will we make it through this show? Uh, 
Come on. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, I mean come if, on. you're right. If you, if you read the Old Testament, it's riddled with it. It is riddled with it. Like that time when, was it, was it Joshua, I think? Well, who was it that, that the, the sun was stopped so that they could do some more killing? Remember yeah, that? Yeah. that was, it was Joshua, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think it was. The walls yeah, of, yeah. of yeah. yeah, the city. Let's make, let's make, let's make genocide a divine, you know, operation here. No doubt, no doubt. So is there a difference between um, personal retaliation and communal or national retaliation? It's just a matter of scale. Just a matter of scale. Yeah. So, you, for you example... I mean... So, for example, when Jesus says, turn the other cheek, to me that seems like the opposite of a revenge mentality, right? Someone strikes you, and rather than reciprocating or responding in kind, you're turning the other cheek. Is that is he only speaking to personal one-to-one -one relationships, or could we broaden that to group-to-group um, -to -group or even nation-to-nation? Well, I was just going to say, I think it can be broadened because I think when you, you turn the other cheek and you come from a place of love instead, um, you, you teach other people how to be and how they can be. I know it's probably harder on a national scale because you're like, oh, well, they're just going to keep bombarding us until they take us over, kill us, blah, blah, blah. But I, I think that mentality would die down if, you know, we, if we all learned and followed. Turning the yeah. other cheek. Um, I, I, I think that turning the other cheek is really an invitation to diffuse the situation. Yeah, it takes two people to fight. I, I think that's a great way to put it. Diffuse the tension. Uh, I mean, because in all honesty, our foreign policy looks nothing like turn the other cheek. It's, you're goddamn right we're going to kick the hell out of them because don't they know who they're effing with? This is the United States of America, and exactly. you, don't do, you don't do that to us. So we're going to come guns blazing. And, I mean, it's just it makes me sad because to me it looks nothing like Jesus. It looks nothing like even a moral, you know, even if you're not going to go with Jesus, it looks nothing like the moral thing to do or the thing to bring about greater peace in the world, it looks like a way to stoke the fires and keep people pissed off. And and stay in power. It's it's about power and control. It has yeah. I mean look at look at all these and you know, I listen to people say that like, oh, well these countries are just gonna walk all over us and they're gonna take our stuff and they're gonna do this and that, they're gonna take us over. Look at all these countries who live in absolute peace. You don't hear anything about them on the news. You know, like you don't hear about Sweden, Switzerland, and some of the South American countries that, you know, like they just stay out of other people's business. They just well, focus know, on themselves. They also know they don't have a big enough army to pick a fight. I mean, there's that too. <laughs> because it's not their too. focus is to put their entire economy <laughs> into an army. My my favorite my favorite laugh this week. I was watching I was watching Daily Show and. Um, they sent an interviewer to uh, to a to a Trump rally, and um, one one segment they were talking to a woman, and this this is the part I found most fascinating. They were talking to a woman who was saying a woman should never be president. Okay, so this was a woman who was saying a woman should never be president. When he asked why, he said, "Because women are riddled with hormones." We will, women will start wars just like that because the hormones take over. And what? But it gets better. So the interviewer's response was, well, haven't 
men pretty much started every war that's ever been, and and like she just was silent. She had nothing to say after that. Exactly. But I just thought it was hilarious. It was I was dumbfounded. Uh, and that that's the ooh, I'm gonna go off on a rant. I'm sorry. Uh-oh. That is the mentality that drives me insane about this country, and it comes from men and women alike. It, it, because the women that are getting into power, and I'm sorry, whatever you believe, they're only getting there because they're acting like men. We do not value the gifts of women in this country, and it is the number one thing. If we started valuing the gifts of women, the, the gifts that, and I'm going to say the gifts of the feminine because we all have them. If we start valuing the gifts of the feminine, our country will right itself because the gifts of the feminine are love and kindness and gentleness and wisdom and peace. I mean, men and women both have wisdom, but I'm, I'm just saying the wisdom of the heart. And those are the things we ignore. We are such a headstrong, power-hungry country, and that it would solve so many problems if we just valued the gift of women. And, and I'm saying men and women alike because it's just like the woman you were talking about. Preach, preach. I hear you, man. Amen. Oh, my goodness. She's ran over. (laughs) All right, so uh, along these lines of revenge, have you ever sued anyone or been involved in a lawsuit, and is suing someone a form of revenge, or is there a time where a lawsuit might be the moral thing and it's not done in the spirit of revenge? Um, I would say yes. Not necessarily uh, moral, but not in the spirit of revenge. I think in many ways um, we've created lawsuits as the legal way to um, get compensation. So, for example, yeah, if there's been an injury done to you, you know, like an accident, you know, you may... You you may use a lawsuit to get the other person's like insurance company to maybe fork over some more money to cover your bills, and I don't think that's for revenge. And that's not purposes. revenge, right? Right. Might be the so right thing. Kind of railroaded into the... it. Yeah. Oh, sorry, because that's how our system is. We we're railroaded into it sometimes. Right, and I'm not saying, and, and I'm not advocating it or saying it's the best way to do things, but it it is a system we have set up, and I think there are many who take advantage of that in the name of revenge, which is not okay. I also think it's, a, it's um, again, just the way our system is built up, it's not necessarily um, the right way, but I think it's the only way sometimes we can stand up to corporations. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's a tool. I think, I think a lawsuit is a legal tool that in and of itself doesn't have a good or bad foundation. Is it positive or negative? It's just a tool. It's how we choose to use it. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's... Uh, I think I'm, I'm not in disagreement with you guys that uh, there are times where it's overused, you know, like, oh, well, I'm going to do this lawsuit and, you know, it's it's like really, you're really going to sue someone over that. And there are other times where someone has a legitimate reason and maybe no other recourse to do something that will, um, you know, sort of balance things out for themselves or their family and, um, and they can do it with a spirit of wholeness and um, not a negative... Um, not not a negative or a revenge-filled spirit. By the way, great great use of the double negative. I am not in disagreement with you. <laughs> Did you? Like, I wondered if you were going to track with that. 
Okay, I have a question for Ogan now. Okay, yes. though. So if we go with the whole manifestation thing, so if somebody is in a spot where they feel like they need to sue, like the medical thing, whatever, they feel like that's their only out, is it really? Or is it the only one they see? If they choose not to do that, is it possible that they're going to come about that money some other way or get their problem solved some other way? Because they're they're choosing to turn the other cheek and not, you know, take that stand and fight back and take that route. So for me, turning the other cheek is about intention. If your intention is to maliciously harm or seek vengeance through a lawsuit, you know, that's, that's not okay. I, I don't think that the purpose we described about, you know, getting, like, you know, in the medical situation, compensation to cover your bills, um, you know, I personally don't see an issue with that. Now, when you speak with the manifestation, could they come across that money? Maybe anything's possible, but that's a legitimate, that's a legitimate avenue, so why turn your back on it? Um, now, and so there's a difference between, I think, you know, suing a corporation, a company, and um, if, if you realize, you know, here's where compassion comes in, you know, if there's an accident, somebody hit you or whatever, and um, with a car or an injury or whatever, if you know that this person really doesn't have any financial means and insurance or stuff, and you still go ahead and sue them, knowing that that's probably going to make them destitute, they're going to like, sell their house and out on the streets, well, that's not a compassionate approach um, to 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 the situation. But so, they did rear-end you, so you gotta, you know. So it's it's just the car. <laughs> to be all right, like go on. Um, so I, I I think I think you know to go back to you know revisit Tina's rant. I think before we do anything, it's about checking in with that open-hearted space of uh, uh, what's. Was compassionate. Was the win-win here? You know, where how how can I go about this so that both of us come out on the other end of it? And even you know, maybe the first thing we do is is have a conversation uh, with the person. So, for example, you know, I've been in instances where you know someone sent my car, you know, accidentally, and for them it's like you know, yes, we both knew that if we call insurance companies, our rates are going up. Both of our rates are going up. Even mine, who's who was the innocent victim here? Yeah, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't even in the car. The car was in the parking lot. But if lot. you have if you have a claim, it'll bump you up. Right. So 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 we had a conversation, and this person simply said to me, "You know what? Um, we know each other. Take your car to the body shop. Whatever they charge you, I'll pay for it." You know. So that was a win-win. You know, for both of us. And that's that's a relationship-based uh, resolution to whatever is going on. And yeah, I think we've with the which lawsuits, is always always better. Always always better. And yes, with lawsuits and revenge and all that, we've you know gotten away from that and had to you know circle back to my TV watching and this Marco Polo thing I'm watching. You know, that was a time where it was all about revenge. Like yeah. that was the driving force for pretty much almost every decision they made and it resulted in a lot of dead bodies and a lot of betrayal and stuff like that. So, you know, I think as a society we've still evolved the whole ways where that's not the driving force, but still got a ways to go. We got a ways to go. We still have a way because <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's a there's a lot of mentality out there about I need to 
get mine, and if it's at cost to you, I don't give one, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't give a rip. And but I loved how you said we need to check into that heart space and say what is the win-win here? What is the thing that is good for them and good for me? And if there's a any space in which there is something that where that could happen, let's pursue that. And I think that is the the higher spiritual level that we need to aspire to as humanity. Um, the more enlightened view, what have you. But man, let's get there, you know? Like, how do we do that? Did you guys ever read the book The Tribe by Sebastian Junger? Nope. It, it, it talks about how we're so disconnected from each other now that, like, what, you know, if we had a tribe mentality and, like, everybody kind of knew each other and knew everybody else's place, this, this wouldn't even be a question we'd be discussing. Hmm. I blame you know? air conditioning. What? I blame air conditioning. <laughs> We don't get it out. It's the root of all evil. <laughs> we don't sit on our front porches like we used to. Exactly. Like sociologists realize this. Yeah, air conditioning. And TV. Just saying. Right. I can watch on Not my Nate. porch from my tablet. I can invite people <laughs> you who are on their porch. Come sit on my porch and watch on my tablet. <laughs> Justification. Holy cow. Wow. Well done. Well done. It's, it's it's one of my great joys in life. I I freely admit I might watch too much. You know, I mean I'm with so. you though. If only humanity could get out on our front porches and watch some TV there together. I mean just think of the exactly or even the better, problems we would solve. Watch TV and then come out on our porches together and talk about what we just watched. Yeah. Post show. Well, yeah. post show. No, seriously, but both of y'all try and get some Stranger Things episodes in before. All right. All right. Try to cue that up. Try to cue that up. All right, folks. We are getting close to our hour, and I'm, I'm just wondering, is there any, uh, anything else you want to hit on, or any final words of wisdom? Um, in Stranger Things, Return of Winona Ryder. That's all I gotta say. Oh, sweet. Yes. yes. That doesn't entice you. Little teaser. Well done. Um, but yes, the, the, I, I go back to my favorite phrase: no, no time in God. And my other favorite phrase: less is more. Stop, stop fixating on the um, the qualifier of success as how much we've gotten done in a given day, and more about how meaningful, how present, how compassionate, how servant others were we in a given day. Even uh, if it's one thing we did. Like, think that's kind of the shift we all got to embody. And, and you know what, again, for, for somebody who has virtually spent the last two years in solitude, except when I was traveling, um, you know, I have to say, I've, I've realized how important community is. And it's like, you know, like you just, it, how did how did I affect other people today? How did I connect with other people? Am, you know, am I made, making other people's lives easier? Am I making them better? Or, you know, am I purposely tearing people apart? Yes. Yeah. yeah, and I think uh, great discussion tonight, and I think I would um, reflect back on our discussion of time and say, you know what, time is uh, a gift of each moment, and none of us know how much time we have in this present life, um, but we have right now, and so the more we can seek to be here 
each moment. I think the wider our, our hearts will be to be present with those we're with and not grasping to uh, be in a sort of revenge, sort of get my own way sort of mentality. And, and whether let's, time, let's get there together. You know? Let's get there together. Whether time is real or not, I look forward to starting the show earlier. <laughs> All right. Well, it's past someone's bedtime, and uh, we're grateful Ooh. to all who tuned in live and those who will tune in to the podcast. Please connect and spread the word for us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and maybe the Instagrams. You can listen anytime on SoundCloud or Stitcher or iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast or, app Or YouTube is. now. Are we on YouTube now, Brian? Oh, yeah. We're on, we're on every tube. I mean, just... We're on, the, we're on the tubes and the tunes and the what-have-yous. And uh, if you would like to find a conversation like this happening at your local pub or brewery, check out pubtheology.com where there is an official directory, or you can find out resources to start your own group. And again, thanks to our sponsor, Craft Beer Cellar. Visit craftbeercellar.com for a location near you. And that's a wrap. We are out. But but good to be able to see you tonight, though. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'm not in the dark tonight. Uh, That's a big question. Where are we going to be able to see Brian tonight? 10 p.m. was too late to start outside tonight. <laughs> uh.